0: Thanks for joining us for season eight of the Hospitality Hangout, a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders of Branded Strategic share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the Finance Guy. I'd like to introduce my partner, Mr. Michael Schatzberg, also known as the Restaurant Guy.
1: And thanks for that introduction, Jimmy. And to all those listening, feel free to call me Shatzi. Together, we are the personalities behind branded strategic hospitality. We work at the intersection of hospitality, technology, innovation, and capital. And Jimmy, let me tell you, it is great to be here. We are having a great time and we are in Dallas, Jimmy.
0: And back in Dallas, we are excited. The big D. You, the big D. The big D. We're excited to bring you a very special episode of Hospitality Live from FS FS Tech Conference in Dallas. Hello, Dallas. Our How big is this Gaylord? How big is this place? It's big, Shatsy. This is, this is, this is. this is, It's a big and, hotel, right? Yeah, it takes me a while to get around this place.
1: It takes me a while. To you, was, you were I'm sweating just walking over here today.
0: I'm doing my uh, Jerry Tarkanian and my John Thompson. I got my towel with me all the time. Listen. Our celebrity guest today is none other than Mr. Jay Fisk, president of Powerhouse Dynamics, a Middleby company. And for all those out there, you probably know some of their brands, but certainly Open Kitchen is what you've seen uh, a lot lot about them and heard a lot about them. Jay, we are thrilled. And I think Middleby
1: owns like every single manufacturer in the kitchen in the entire world. I'm pretty sure that's almost a fact, right? Yeah, it may not be accurate, but but let's go for it. Why not? I know they won't be
0: offended by that. Some other people might be offended by that. But listen, Gabe, we're going to let you take the lead. Please give us a little background about yourself. Uh, and of course, uh, your your introduction or, or your elevator pitch on Powerhouse Dynamics. We're thrilled to have you, my friend.
2: Thanks so much, Jimmy and Chatsy. Really, really great to be here. Um, yeah, it's exciting. You know, it's, it's setting aside, You know, the Gaylord always makes me think of do you remember the, the Pauly Shore movie, Biodome? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, think, I think we're the only three people who saw that, by the way. <laughs> sorry, I, probably. I know I'm aging myself, but I always, every time I go to, you know, Gaylor, you because you, you're, you're inside for like five days straight. You never step foot outside. Yeah, Biodome, Pauly Shore. Anyway, sorry for that. No, you're <laughs> right. It's a great <laughs> analogy. Anyways, uh, great to be here. Very much appreciate the opportunity. So as you said, I'm Jay Fisk. I'm the president of Powerhouse Dynamics we are a Boston-based technology firm, and we are the folks behind the open kitchen Internet of Things platform. We help uh, large multi-site restaurant operators manage their critical infrastructure more efficiently, save money on energy, reduce risk on food safety, help make sure all their cooking equipment is up and running and producing high-quality products, You know, getting the latest recipes out to equipment. So think about this as the Internet of Things for the critical back-of-house infrastructure. Um, And, you know, driving those kinds of efficiency that that this visibility and control and connectability suddenly affords uh, these multi-site operators. Hey, thanks for that, Jay. And I got to tell
1: you, we have to also mention that not only... Is uh, are you guys showing here? Open Kitchen uh, is, is showing here at FS Tech, but you're also a co sponsor in Innovation Alley with us here at FS Tech, where we have curated 20 of the most innovative startups in the industry making things happen. And we are so happy and so grateful that you are a sponsor with us in, uh, in this great uh, event. Um, give us a little color. I mean, I know it's it's open kitchen, it's Internet of Things, it's, uh, it's powerhouse dynamics. Share a little bit about, A, how did this become part of Middleby, this giant conglomerate of everything in the kitchen? And what do you mean when you say, when I think about the kitchen, I, the last thing I think about is the Internet and technology. I think about ovens and fryers. I don't think about tech at all. Jimmy does but I don't. So <laughs> give me, talk a little bit about how Open Kitchen is Internet of Things and how this is technology even related, and the Middleby question, of course.
2: That's yeah, what I'll sure.
1: You. What about you?
2: That, that's a lot at It's all good. I'll still, maybe I'll go through that kind of chronologically. So we were started back in 2010. We were a startup as well. You know, innovation and entrepreneurship is kind of in our DNA. Um, and I've been here from almost the start. I joined about a year into the formation of the company. And, um, ironically, it, originally we were actually a, an energy management system for homeowners, uh, where you put our energy sensors inside your electrical panel and you could see, you know, when the kitchen lights were on, how much energy your pool pump is using, how much energy your air conditioning, you could yell at your kids if they left their bedroom lights on, <laughs> um, you know, all kind of, but, you know, we realized there just weren't, Uh, as many energy nerds like me out there to make an interesting market. But what we realized is we had uh, at the time unknowingly created a platform to address an unmet need in the market. And that is the large uh, operators of many, many small commercial facilities Uh, because there was never any kind of energy management platform for those kinds of facilities previously that made any kind of economic sense. You know, they're, they're designed for office towers and factories and big box retail. When you try and take that tech, and scale it down to a 3,000 square foot QSR, it's just far too complex, uh, far too expensive to get any kind of meaningful economic benefit. So we had we then pivoted from residential to uh, multi-site commercial and said, well, gosh, who feels the pain of energy spend most acutely? Well, food service. Yep. Food service operators, You know, if you look at a restaurant's energy bill, it's probably 20x your home bill for a similar sized facility. Um, You know, restaurants use three to five or more times more energy per square feet than other kinds of commercial facilities. So we said, Oh, this is our market. So restaurant chains, a community store chains, we do a lot of work actually in specialty retail as well. Um, And the platform really kind of evolved from there as it really gained traction. We suddenly, because we were into the residential market, we had a low cost, A platform, cloud-based software, um, wireless controls and sensors that now pivoting and moving into this multi-site says, Oh, we've actually created this platform for enterprise energy management. So whether it's automating the controls over your HVAC systems or performing proactive diagnostics from the data we're pulling to say, hey, your unit's okay now, but it's struggling. And the next time you have a heat wave, you're going to get a hot complaint. And so how about you fix it? When the tech is already there for a PM, rather than you know paying time and a half on a Friday night when it's disruptive and your guests are hot and they're leaving anyway, so you know that was sort of the foundation of the business centered around energy management for the large multi-site food service operators. And then what's fun is you develop these great relationships with your customers. It's like, you know, we, and they say to you, "We really love your technology. You're helping me manage some of my infrastructure. Can you help me manage more of it?" Yep. Hey, can you tap into, I've got all this data on my ovens and my fryers. Can you my, pay my rent? Can you pay my rent for me? <laughs> yeah, basically we were paying the rent for them by driving all these savings. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so we said, sure, you know, we can do that. Architecturally it's a very similar kind of thing. We've got a little doodad that can plug into a piece of equipment, tap into the data. And now suddenly, so for example, we had a customer um, that was cooking uh, their roast beef in an oven and, when you pull it out of the walk-in, was it Arby's? Just answer the question. Was it Arby's? They're public about it. Yes, it was Arby's. Breaking news, Jimmy. <laughs> I knew, it was I knew, Arby's. I knew, I, knew. I knew
0: it. I knew, I knew it. It's it breaking hey, news. He he was, Arby's. He made, made Chassis so
2: happy. Giving them <laughs> breaking news. So happy. <laughs> they've been really on the forefront. So they've been a tremendous partner for a long time. But it's, they're, they're they're a great poster child of how this can work so so well because you know with you know this actually touches on the labor issue as well that that connectivity helps with. So you know someone would pull a roast. Out of the walk in, you temp it, you write it down, put it in the oven, press go, you cook it, pull it out, temp it, write it down, put it on the slicer, make some sandwiches, temp it, write it down, put it. Horrible, error prone, labor intensive process. <laughs> it's now 100% automated. That is great. Wow. And look, uh, kudos. 100% to- automated.
0: Oh, and kudos to you. You were you solving real issues, challenges. I don't want to say problems, but you were sol- You were delivering real value. And they said to you, what else can you do for us? Can you help us here? Can you help us there? So yeah. I love the way your success in one part of, of the industry or one part of the kitchen has now is is, is carrying you to all of it and, and throughout. Yeah. Um, You know, today, Branded is hosting an innovation forum, and our attorneys have said it's okay. The food service feud not family feud, the food service feud. Um, and prior to our interactive panel, we polled hundred operators to find out what they believe is the number one piece of kitchen equipment that breaks the most. So we understand these things get used a lot. We're not picking anybody, um, but you use it. And then and, and people jump in and out. Yada, yada, yada. Anyway, kitchen equipment breaks, but the choices were the dishwasher, uh, coolers, both the walk-in and the low boy, the fryer and the oven. And spoiler alert, folks! Um, so far, the dishwasher is winning by a landslide. But Jay, can you share with our listeners about what Open Kitchen is doing to help operators maintain their equipment before they even break and have issues? And the importance of what we're learning from you is the smart kitchen. Yeah,
2: yeah, sure. So, and it, it's what's fascinating to us is as we as we integrate with more and more types of equipment, with more and more makes and models of equipment.s um, The the business case, if you will, for connectivity, it really varies by the kind of equipment. Certainly, there is a very common theme across all equipment for uptime and maintenance, right? So a lot of modern equipment will have a digital controller, basically a little computer inside it that's gathering data about how the system is being used. What products were, what recipes did you push? You know, what's the state of the equipment? Temperatures, is the door open, is it closed? and a lot of them have intelligence to generate error codes, right? They're constantly tracking, hey, how how am I working? And so there's an error code. Sometimes it's just something obscure like E13. What the heck is yeah, E13? I have
1: to go out and get the, I have to go get like the manual and yeah. look at what E13 is. Yeah,
2: exactly. Turn to t- page 257. <laughs> they can't just tell me what it is. Why E13? Yeah. Just yeah. tell
1: me what it is.
2: Exactly. So tap into that get that data to the cloud. Get it to the people who worry about this stuff—the you know the enterprise facilities folks—to say, "Hey, I've got an E13," but actually, Open Kitchen says, "Oh, that means that you know your uh, your, your uh, door sensor is broken, all right? Or whatever whatever it is." So you actually can put that in plain English. You can look across the the the, the enterprise. Uh, you can see all these error issues. You can prioritize based on because there's always something broken. That's not news, right? When you're a multi-site operator, there's always something broken. There's always something that's not working well. Oftentimes, the operators are using equipment maybe not quite the exact right way. So you can get all those kinds of insights from the data and be proactive about getting in front of the issues and minimizing downtime and, and reducing you know, repairs so you're preventing expensive reactive repairs. So there's a lot that you can glean from that data. And that's then the data pull. The other really interesting thing is the data push. So when I say data push, I mean, if you think about something like a rapid cook oven and you're into a QSR or you're in a, uh, you know, a C-store, the menu items, they're evolving, they're, they're changing, they're introducing new products. And how do they update that oven so it's always working with the latest recipe? Well, today, believe it or not, it's done with a thumb drive, right? You mail the thumb drive to the store and you pray that the manager plugs it in, navigates the menus properly, or you have someone on your team driving around store to store with a, with a handful of thumb drives in her pocket, right? That's crazy, right? Connect crazy. it to the cloud, push it down, single click, and now you've got all the systems that are up to date with the latest greatest recipe. That's going to ensure you know high product quality, high compliance. so stores can sell the latest product. So, you know, it's the it's the other direction that's in some ways we've got customers where that is their primary motivating factor for connecting.
1: Sure, because you want to make sure that when you push number one on the oven, <sighs> it's the right temperature set and timing for the burrito or whatever they're making. Right,
2: right, right. You're that's not a, that's a, amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, and, and that is so. So in some cases, that's the primary pain point that we're solving is like, help me get rid of these darn thumb drives. Right. It's because I never get to 100 percent compliance. It costs me hundreds of dollars per location to update. If I can do it with a single click and, and, and now I've updated, you know, a thousand ovens, that's a big deal. It's a, it really is.
1: And I'll tell you, the other thing I really love about Open Kitchen, and I feel like this is an Open Kitchen commercial right now, but I will tell you something I love about open kitchen uh, that I learned is that while we I was kidding around that Middleby owns uh, you know every every uh, piece of equipment in the kitchen I mean there are other people that have plenty of equipment too there is competition out there but what I love about you guys is you're completely agnostic we are. you are going to work with anyone's kitchen equipment, even if it's not a Middleby brand. So if it's one of your competitor's brands, you're still going to work with it. So if I've got a competitor's oven, I'm still going to push that information out to it.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. And that continues to be a core part of our strategy and frankly, a core part of Middleby's strategy. Look, I mean, Middleby is a tremendous parent company. They're a tremendous organization um, obviously with tremendous ambitions, but they recognize that not everyone's going to buy all their stuff from Middleby. But when you think about it, so when, but when a, an operator falls in love with this, the capabilities that connectivity provides, they're not going to tolerate a dozen different apps for a dozen different pieces of equipment. Just, they just won't, right? It's too much complexity. Mm-hmm. They're going to want one app tying them together. And so part of the reason Middleby acquired us three and a half years ago is because of this momentum we had already generated across many, many different OEMs to have these kinds of integrations. And so, you know, because Middleby understands this, um, they have continued to say, you know what, if we want to be leaders as these kitchens digitize, we need to continue pursuing uh, an open strategy. So that is, you know, the name open kitchen obviously is a very conscious decision to reflect that. And the beauty of the way Middleby is structured is they buy companies and then they let them roll. So we are an independent, autonomous Boston-based company with our own group, and so you know we can you know it, it helps to provide a platform. of folks who are nervous to say, well, hey, you guys are owned by a company that has a competitive fryer with me, well, it's okay, right? We have agreements with our customers that say the only people that can see the data coming off your fryer, the powerhouse team, right, our customer. Right, and you are OEM partner. Right, we can't share that data with anyone else. We've got contractual obligations that help make sure that that ethical wall, as we call it, is solid. And that so continues to be a very, very um, strong platform to build this whole ecosystem. And and when people understand that, they understand that when they're integrating with Open Kitchen. They're not putting themselves at any kind of like disadvantage because we cannot share that data no, with anyone
0: else. No, I think <laughs> it's a great transition because, um and a segue maybe, at trade shows, Probably because Shatz and I, you know, may appropriately be accused of being immature, but we play an imaginary drinking game uh, where we pick a topic or a keyword, um, and that we know everyone's gonna be talking about, or at least predicting everyone's gonna be talking about it. And then when somebody says the word, we kind of look at each other and take an imaginary shot. And if we're sitting at a table with people, we'll definitely drag them into um, uh, into our little game. But you use the word, and so now I'm taking a an imaginary shot, but data has become, and it really is, one of the hot topics and certainly one of the big topics here um, at the show. Can you share uh, the role, um, you know, that IoT-generated data is playing with Powerhouse Dynamics Open Kitchen, and how is it helping everyone from the chefs to the managers to the HR teams?
2: Yeah, um, absolutely. So, um, you know, it's interesting is as um, – as different OEMs digitize their equipment and get them connected, right? There, we, we are still, frankly, in the nascent period of, of this adoption of connectivity in the back of house, in the kitchen. Um, and so there's still a lot of discovery going on. So, so it's you know, we certainly provide uh, the infrastructure to get all this raw data to the cloud, right? But if you think about it, a modern fryer, with a digital controller, it probably has over 100 different data points. It's collecting in real time. At every sec- Do you think your average restaurant manager cares about 100 different data points on a fryer every minute? No, I think outside, outside of temperature, I think none. She does not, right? Yeah, good good answer, Shatsy. So she does not care about 100 different things. And so part of the trick is, it's not only just getting all that data to the cloud and saying, good luck, kid, here you go. That's what you asked for. It's distilling it down and creating the business tools around the data for effective outcomes, right? So you're absolutely right. That store manager probably only cares like, hey- Send me an alert if the if the oil quality in my fryer has fallen below an acceptable threshold, or maybe my staff keeps skipping the auto filtration process. So there are key things that she's going to want to know about how that asset is being used. It's very expensive. It's expensive to buy. It's expensive to run. But take all that data and distill it down so I can make sure we have consistently high oil quality. That we're not over consuming oil. If the system is down for some reason, we get it fixed and fixed quickly. So yes, data is absolutely critical, but I'd say even more important is what you do with that data yes, uh, and how you distill it down. Because there's, you know, on, our, on Open Kitchen, we are, there, there's a number of different personas that engage with our platform. So I talk about the restaurant manager. She probably only cares about one or two things with the fryer. But guess what? The fryer tech in the field probably does care about maybe 20 things mm-hmm. out of those 100. So get that person the 20 things before he rolls the truck to diagnose the problem, make sure the right part's on the truck, make sure they yes. notice, you know uh, what part of the fryer is broken and get there and get it back up and back up quickly. And then the engineering team at the OEM does care about those 100 data points. So when they think about next gen product innovation, product improvements, they're going to take all that data and you know diagnose the heck out of it and say, here's how we make an even better product for our next gen, right?
0: this is awesome. Nope. And I'm so thrilled. And I'll say, and give one more imaginary shot. Here's cheers to data. Um, listen, um, we started maybe my next child data, data. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to name mine. Seven. Seven. You, you and Elon Musk. Yes, you can be Mug Costanza. Okay. Um, it turns that out when we, we started this podcast, because we like talking to, to people, we learned along the way that sometimes our guests have questions for us. So we, uh, we created Talking Back, where we offer our guests a chance to ask us questions. Uh, as I like to say, nothing's off the
2: table. Jay, the microphone is yours. All right. So... Um... I love talking to technologists and innovators. You guys are clearly in that space. Um, in, a, in a previous career, I worked in the semiconductor industry, this computer chip manufacturing. And there was, there was this joke that the computer chip factory of the future has two employees, <laughs> a human and a dog. The human's job was to feed the dog, and the job, dog's job is to keep the human from touching the factory. <laughs> So <laughs> well, my awesome. question to you two innovators is, is that the kitchen of the future? Where do you see automation going uh, in food service?
0: That is a fantastic wow. question. And particularly, yeah. particularly uh, insightful. And, and because I get to now direct it to the restaurant guy, uh, Mr. Schatzberg here, Schatzberg.
1: Um, <laughs> no, Then it's, it's, And then I get yeah. to
0: maybe opine uh, as I see fit, particularly if Schatzberg. You always
1: do, it, Jim. You always yeah. make them better. You listen, yeah. it's, it's, it's really top of mind. Everyone's been talking about it. I think uh, outside of off-prem and delivery, which I, I feel like is old news today, so to speak, in the world of restaurants. If anybody talks about delivery and off-prem, it's kind of nauseating. That was
0: Twenty 21's word of the year. Uh, yeah, that was so, the 2019, you know? so 2019. <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. That's it's yeah.
1: 2019. All we're talking about now is automation and yeah. robotics, and yep. that is it. Um, I got to tell you, I think it's, um, look, it's coming. We see it already in 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 the QSR space and fast casual space. Uh, in the full service space, I think it's going to uh, take uh, a little bit longer. But I think when you take some some tasks, some mundane tasks that are repeated over and over and over again, I think it's ripe for automation. We've seen it in other industries like auto manufacturing, when it's just a matter of a uh, uh, of someone just putting a rivet, bum bum boom, boom, over and over and over again, the idea of having a robot do that, its it makes a lot of sense. So I think our industry has been very slow to embrace technology. Um, I think the pandemic has forced us to rethink that and maybe start spending a lot more money on technology and really thinking about what's next. Uh, so I think a lot of operators today are already seeing what's next. It may not be right for them to implement today, but you are seeing a lot of brands that are on the cutting edge. I know that like White Castle, for example, is really putting a lot of of their uh, money and resources into uh, automation robotics. Mm -hmm. I know Chipotle is also. So I think it is just, it's not a matter of, of, of if, it's just when, and we'll continue to see it grow and grow and grow. I know you guys at Middleby have put all, um, have really put a lot of focus on on, on automation, yeah. uh, and so you're seeing it. So I don't know that it's the number one selling item right now is automation tools for you guys, but I, I think you're seeing more and more uh, people excited about it. You know, we invested in a company a few years back, and it was really low-hanging fruit on automation, but self-serving beverage. Yeah. And you think about self-serving beverage, Jimmy and I always joke, we go to the airport and you see a big sign, you know, uh, uh, Dunkin' Donuts. I'm not picking on anybody. Dunkin' Donuts, you know, grab and go coffee. This is great. And everyone's over there grabbing their coffee. and Then they're standing online for 20 minutes to pay for it. So right. the idea of pouring your coffee and using your phone to just pay for those ounces you poured, it's there, it's ready and ripe for the taking. So I think that uh, there's some low hanging fruit with automation and you're going to continue to see it. And it's just going to grow and grow and grow. Uh, I don't know that, uh, fine dining, I think will be on the tail end of that for, uh, for a lot of reasons, Jimmy, go make it better, baby.
0: Now listen, that, that's, that answer was, um, was besides awesome. It was also, uh, long, um, and <laughs> way too long for me, right, Jimmy, I'm hanging out with you way too much. Yeah, and there's nothing I can do except make it better. No, um, I actually thought your answer was on point. I was going to comment on, um, the um specifically the the range of of technology and automation and you mentioned self-serve beverage which to me on a relative basis is let's say low-hanging fruit compared to an autonomous delivery vehicle or, or 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 robotics that are you know building salad bowls and and scooping ice cream which is far more complicated and expensive but i think what i really enjoy right now and then i'll stop um you know That'll
1: be impossible,
0: Jim, you never you know, that, you know, we've heard a lot about automation taking jobs, and, and that is something that the branded team feels that is not the case. It's taking away chores. It's taking away certain tasks that um, we think um, really do need to be moved into um, into robotics and automation and, and leveraging tech and innovation, um, and let the um, human capital be more on the guest ambassadorship, be more on the success of the restaurant, uh, be more on the creative thinking and the enjoyment factor. Um, you know, it's not possible to talk about automation and not think about labor and think about what just happened in California and the and then and the legislation are around $22 an hour. For That's a, a whole other podcast, Jimmy. Exactly, but but at the end of the day, it just, it suggests that we need to be mindful that if there are tasks and chores that we can outsource um, and leverage tech and innovation, it's imperative upon us to do it um, and let our human capital really be a far more part of the hospitality and culinary side, the creative side, um, and not the task management. So that's that's my two cents, which is probably a nickel of uh, of adding to your answer, Shatsy.
1: Yeah, well, you know what, Jimmy, when you have such a great answer like mine, it really is hard to improve. It really is. <laughs> yeah, like, Jay, that's yeah. great. But but Jake, to your point, I mean, you're in the semiconductor business. I mean, was that ever not automated? Was it was it some time where there there were people like? with little soldering things, making chips at some point, weren't there?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it definitely – well, you know, that industry obviously is is far out into the automation realm, partly because if you're making a computer chip, you can't, you know, dust. People are like very, very dirty creatures. Yes. <laughs> so, way back, way back when, when it
1: first started, I suspect there was a person like oh, – yeah when that stuff the yeah. chip was the chip was the size of a house
2: yes <laughs> exactly exactly yeah
0: yeah so but anyway it. all yeah. right let me take us into our crystal ball moment the opportunity where we ask uh, our, our guests to put on their cresskin or miss cleo hat and predict the future the future uh jay how do you see restaurants and dining two years from now in relation to hospitality and technology
2: yeah, I mean, I think you guys have touched on the themes uh, in a pretty strong way already. I mean, I, you know, it's I'm I'm shocked it's taken us this long into the podcast to say that the L word, labor, right? But obviously, that's you know, uh, that is a, a major uh, driving factor here. So we're going to see the continued acceleration of connectivity because you know, we've talked about energy savings, we talked about maintenance and uptime, but labor is a significant portion of. It's not about just trying to eliminate jobs. It's like you can't fill all the seats you need with labor today. So how do you get your limited staff able to do more? How do you reduce the labor content of running your restaurant? And automation, connectivity, data is going to have a very significant role to play there. In fact, I'd argue it's the backbone for um, streamlining most of the operations. So I think, yeah, next two years, I I, I have yet to read any prognosticator that says the end of the labor shortage is in sight. Have <laughs> no, you guys I seen that article? No, I have not. No, right? No. So yeah, th- th- these kinds of things are only going to serve to accelerate adoption of technologies that drive automation, that reduce, you know, I talked about all the administrative burden, writing temperatures down is insane, right? You really want to, that's not what people should be doing. People should be you know, in the hospitality business, serving other people, doing what people do best. Let the robots, let the automation, do what that stuff does best. So I think it's really going to be a driving factor. You know, you hear what's happening overseas, like if paying attention to what's going on with the prime minister in the UK. I mean, energy prices. There's an article in the Wall Street, uh, not the Wall Street, and the New York Times from last week. All these pubs in the UK are closing because their energy prices are five x what crazy. they used to be. It's insane. What's it's going insane. On? So, I mean, thankfully we don't have quite the same dynamic here in the states. But uh, this is, you know, energy is going to also continue to drive adoption of technologies and automation, making sure things are on and when they're supposed to be on and operating efficiently when they're on, and when they don't need to be on, turn it off. Yes,
1: a hundred percent correct. Uh, labor, labor is top of mind uh, with automation. I would say. A hundred percent. Listen, let's get into the best segment of uh, not just this podcast, but I think it's probably the greatest segment of all podcasts around the world. That's not me. This is uh, coming from all different people around the world are telling me, Shatz, your branded quickfire is the greatest segment ever created. I don't know who did it, but it's unbelievable. This is the branded quickfire Texas edition. Jay, I'm going to ask you five lightning round questions. Are you ready? Bring it. All right. Don't think too much. Don't think too hard. First thing comes to mind. Oh, here we go. Favorite Texas city.
2: Dallas, because FS Tech is there. It's also where the Middleby Innovations. Yeah, what
1: is what is truly bigger in Texas, the food portions or the size of people's hair?
2: The only diplomatic answer to that question is the food court. Yes. Oh, I was going to say, whoa,
1: wow, that was a crazy question.
2: By, by the way, my wife is from New Jersey. Maybe the answer would be different. Oh, sorry, oh no, you, no, so. you
1: can't, by the way. I was going to say, I think Long Island, New Jersey, have definite tips on big Air. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, I was surprised <laughs> you didn't mention New I, Jersey. I was going to
1: say, Jimmy doesn't like New Jersey. Let's not go there. All right. <laughs> well, it's a quick fire, Jimmy. You can respond after. Favorite Texas sports team. Wow, that's a hard one.
2: I, I gotta say FC Dallas. And look, if I say any other sports team, you know, the Boston yeah. sports police are gonna kick me that out of answer, town. So. Very I, good. I, very good, I
1: would
2: I would soccer is awesome. True
1: yeah. or false. Dallas Fort Worth Airport, DFW, is larger than the island of Manhattan. True or false. Uh,
2: when I'm running for a flight and I'm late, man, I gotta say it's true. It's just the gate is always way too far away. I don't know the answer, but I, I've been to Dallas. It's
1: got to be true. It's a ginormous. <laughs> I mean, they have like trains taking you all around there. I
0: think Jay's okay. been politically correct on every one of the answers. He's been perfect, Shatsy, perfect. I, my,
1: our <laughs> producer just chimed in. It is true. DFW <laughs> is larger than the island of Manhattan. <laughs> For the win. If you were to challenge Jimmy Rye to a bull riding competition, who do you have Better odds of beating. Jimmy, take off your shirt.
2: Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> uh, Shad, so you spent some time in Boston. So I, I think us Boston guys got to stick together. So, Jimmy. It's on. Man. It's on. All right. I uh, I, I respect yeah, your answer.
1: Jimmy's strong, man.
2: He's respect, big, but
0: he's strong. I respect your answer. I don't agree with your answer, but I respect the answer. <laughs> the important thing, and 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 good people can agree to disagree. It's okay. Have you ever seen Chatsy ride a bull? The answer is yeah,
1: no. <laughs> no, you have not. <laughs> um, but we're we'll yeah, on. Just Jews from New York don't ride bulls, Jimmy. What? Wait, weren't we just riding the bull just now? <laughs> Oh, that's right. oh, yes. Good point. Good point. We'll be Good riding point. the bull, my
0: friend. We'll be riding the bull. Listen, Jay, we want to thank you so much for joining us um, on the podcast and for sharing all your great insights. Um, love what you guys are doing with Open Kitchen. Appreciate uh, the entire relationship we have uh, with your crew at Powerhouse Dynamics and um, and Middleby, of course, um, and really love what you guys are doing. If you want to get in touch with Jay directly, you can email us, the podcast team, uh, at podcast at com. We'd be happy to make introduction. Uh, We made a season one error of giving out personal email addresses and stuff. We don't do that. We're not rookies anymore, Uh, but you can reach out to the podcast. I do have Jay's cell phone by the way. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes. And we will keep that because um, it was given to us with, uh, with, with, with privilege. Uh, to our listeners, we want to thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. Uh, we know there are literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there. Uh, and the fact that our subscriber base continues to grow exponentially um, and carrying us into season eight uh, is something we really do appreciate uh, and value. Uh, please join us next week as we welcome guest Jeff Chandler. CEO of Hop Dotty Burger Bar, Jeff oh, from Hop Dotty Burger Bar. That will be a fun show. Hop Dotty. Okay. Uh, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our podcast. You don't miss out on any of the exciting guests we have coming up in the future. Better yet, invite a friend to hang out with us the next time. Hey, Jimmy, then, Jay yeah. has
1: just told me something that he he's offering something really special. Oh, well, which we, I think what, is what really that, generous. And what might that of- be? Well, you know, Middleby makes uh, some residential equipment as well. They're not just commercial. Uh, Maybe you've heard of uh, Viking. Uh, Ah. Maybe you've heard of some of those kind of companies. But they have a Brava um, home cooking oven, which is just super cool, right, Jay? Looks, man. I have one at home. It's yeah. terrific. And Jay just said he's very generous over at the Middleby Corporation. The first 100 listeners <laughs> who call in to us right now will receive courtesy of Jay Fisk. And the Middleby Corporation, uh, their very own Bravo Oven courtesy of Middleby. So thank you, Jay. That is really unbelievably generous. And that is just, I mean, we are just constantly getting great gifts over yes. here at the hospitality. Yeah. Thank you, Jay. Yeah, call Bravo it. Oven. Yeah. It's unbelievably cool. Yeah,
0: call in awesome. now. Call in now. Yeah. You can pile it at you You're five, killing me. Five, five, five. five. <laughs> five, 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 five. And, uh, yeah. operators standing by. No, Jay, thank you so much. Uh, this is Jimmy Frischling, your finance guy signing off and passing it back to my boy,
1: Shatsy. It's Shatsy AKA the restaurant guy. Thanks everybody. Thank you, Jay. Thank you. Middleby.
2: This was great. Cheers, thank you, everybody. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you, Shatsy. Thank you, Jimmy.